Hey, Desperate Housewives super fans. Welcome back. I'm Christy Gomez. I'm Summer Moran. And this is We Know What You Did. It makes us sick. We're going to nice of us that was nice that was melodious Mel- melodious amelia said fred seagal today instead of fred seagal no she, she goes, did not fred she goes we can get 20 percent off fred seagal i was like it's fred seagal <laughs> <laughs> she's funny yeah anyway what was your moment of desperation this week let's just get right into it rip off the band-aid a child tried to poison me. It's always the kids. <laughs> yes, but this one is valid, okay? Thursday was my last day at this one particular school that I've been at for about a year. And I brought Wait, you quit? candy. Well, I, I left that school. I'm not going back oh, there okay. ever again. So I'm Good. only going to teach at one school now. And I bring them candy. I bring them snacks. It's the last day. I bring games, the movie, whatever. And I brought them crafts to like make their own broomsticks. And I'm like, great, we're going to fly around on our broomsticks. Go for it. I don't care. It's the last day. And at some point, a child who shall remain nameless decided he wanted to start doing pranks. And I heard him say the word pranks. And I said, oh, not on me, right? And he goes, no. And I was like, okay, good. Go for it. Again, it's the last day. I don't care. So... I brought my water bottle for the first time the entire semester. I've never brought a water. I just always am dehydrated at this school. And I brought my water bottle and I filled it up at the school, I know. And while my back was turned, he must have taken off the lid and deposited soap inside (gasps) my water bottle. Yeah. Which I turned (gasps) and I drank. And what kind of soap? Hand soap. And I know. I'm like getting enraged thinking about it. This is Lynette coated. (laughs) Porter, Preston, Parker, and pizza coated. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I didn't notice at first, but when I brought the, the bottle up to my face, I was like, that smells weird. And I dumped out the water. And it was like bubbles. And he went, why did you dump that out? And I said, I need to wash it. It doesn't taste right. And so he had been with this other little girl who I pulled her aside a short time later. I said, hey, is there something in my water bottle? And she goes, he did it. Yeah, not surprised. She's a great little kid. Girl code, girl code, she said. Girl, girl code. <laughs> and so I stormed out of the classroom. I immediately went to the administrator and I told her what happened. I was shaking with anger. I kid you mm-hmm. not. I was shaking, like loaded with it. Yeah. I could barely speak straight because of how angry I was. How dare you? So she said, bring them on in here. And I, I rolled not back into the classroom. Not you fully tattletailing on like a seven-year-old. Oh, a thousand percent, a a thousand percent. This kid is going to grow up to be something bad. I'll tell you that. So I go, come over here. You're coming with me. And he's already in the corner crying. Yeah, you should be crying. You should be. I'm about to ruin your life. Mm -hmm. So I bring him on into her office and she rips him a new one as he deserved. And he's standing there and he's crying and he's holding his broomstick, which I, I had half a mind to say, and you're not taking that home, by the way. You can, mm-hmm. you can rip that up in front of me. You do not deserve a craft today. I gave you a snack. I gave you things to do. Oh, man, I'm getting so enraged. Anyway, she spoke to him for a little while, um, and, and he was very upset, and he was instructed to not participate in the rest of the class. So we go back into the classroom, and he just puts his head down and cries for the rest of class. I was so mad. 
one of the women who runs the program came over to me afterwards after they had dismissed and she was like i've never seen you like that filled with rage and the worst part of it is that i couldn't even tell his parents because his grandparents always come to pick him up and mm -hmm. they only speak italian nice oh they don't they're lying they're fully lying no i've tried to speak to these people and i i said to the grandfather when he came we had a problem today and there was no acknowledgement whatsoever mm -hmm. nothing oh so that that was uh oh man it's like i i wanted that satisfaction of seeing this kid get in trouble again Mm -hmm. And you just, you don't do that to people. That is something that could have genuinely gotten me sick. Yeah, no, he needs to learn that. Because he he probably thought it was just like an innocent prank, but you yeah. can't. And Maybe it's, one thing it's if you put like not. ketchup in your water or, or like something, you know, ingestible, salt maybe. If you put salt, like, yeah, hey, don't do that. Yeah, salt is one thing. But yeah. Yeah, you do not, you do not... <laughs> Listen, he, I was his Rex and he was my George in that moment. <gasps> okay. That's crazy. I know. He's literally but it's George true. the pharmacist. I hate this kid. I wish him nothing but the worst in life. And I hope he amounts to nothing and that the world implodes before he reaches 20. He reminds me of somebody I, I went to school with. That was my moment of desperation. I know I will get over it as long as justice is served. And what about you? What was your moment of desperation? <sighs> Gee whiz. Well, I wasn't poisoned this week. Um, <laughs> shockingly. I don't know. What did happen to me? You know, nothing too and crazy happened to me this week. I will crazy. say. Crazy. I will say I had... Um, months and months and months of desperation in which when I came back from Australia, my work computer stopped working. Like it would ghost scroll and it, I, yeah, like it was, it was wild. Like I would do something and it would just, at one point it just wouldn't let me type. So I call IT, IT comes, they gave me a loaner computer. They're like, okay, we're going to, we're going to repair it. Problem happens again. They re- they put in a new like motherboard, like they fully refurbished the whole computer. And then they were like, okay, like this has been going on since October. And they were like, all right, this is back in December. They said, let's like give it another two weeks. Cause that's when the problem started again. And I was like, well, in that time I'm going to be in Vermont. So I take my newly refurbished computer to Vermont. It works perfectly fine. Like no problems. I was like, great. They fixed it. My first day back in the office last week, I had even worked from home for two days when I got back to LA before I went into the office. I plugged my computer into the monitor. It starts ghost scrolling again. And I was like, how is that? How did that even just happen? So I waited a few days. I was like, maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe this isn't going to, maybe this won't be as bad. It just kept getting worse and worse and worse. So I emailed IT. I was like, it's happening again, guys. And they're like, all right, we're done with this. We're getting you a new computer. So finally on Thursday, Sean from IT, shout out Sean, brings me a brand new 14-inch MacBook Pro or my old one. You saw it. It was huge. <laughs> like I was lugging that around everywhere. Such a large computer. But he brings me a beautiful sleek. I have it right here. It's so gorgeous. Sorry for the banging. Look at this beautiful MacBook Pro. Right about the time that you were getting a brand new computer, I was getting poisoned by an <laughs> eight-year-old. <laughs> was this was this on Thursday? Yeah, <laughs> it was probably right about the same time. <laughs> Wait, it probably was because that's an after-school program, right? Yeah. So sure around is. what time was this? About three thirty. Okay, I got my computer around two thirty my time. So you were probably oh, dealing so with the funny. aftermath of being poisoned, and I was having a great day. <laughs> And I was having a very high vibrational day. That's crazy. My best day is your worst. <laughs> but yeah, he comes Ooh. to me with this brand new computer and I was so happy. And it makes me like more productive because it's actually working. And I'm like, wow, I can't wait to do my job again. 
barely been doing my job. You for love months doing I your job. To. I love. I love being an employed. I love having a job. I love being employed. I love sending my little emails out. I'm bad at going into the office just because it's not enforced. But when I do, I have such a good time. I had to go for a big department meeting on Thursday. So I actually had to be there at 9 a.m. I showed up at 8.45. And also not for nothing, but I, I brought these little snacks to my Friday class and like a bunch of them didn't even want it. And you ask me for snacks every week and you're not going to take it when I give it to you? Was it Teddy Grahams? And Pretzels. You know what's interesting about you in this job? What? You guys have the same taste buds. So anything you eat, they'll probably most likely like. Do they want like caviar right. or something? Yeah. Like they could raid your kitchen and be like, I like everything here because this girl eats like a seven-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Let's get into the episode. This is season two, episode three. I did not take down the title. Do you happen to have the title? You'll never get away from me is what it's called. You'll never get away from me. And we open with Mama Rex and Brie at the graveyard. They're going to go visit Rex and uh, they're, they're trotting along. And Mary Alice's monologue is about how Phyllis sort of tends to forget things and, and Brie's a little concerned about that. She always forgets to mention something to Brie. And when they arrive at where Rex is supposed to be, they find that he has been dug up. Literally grave robbed. And then Phyllis decides that this is a good time to be like, oh, they probably dug him up because of the investigation. And Bree's like, what do you, what do you mean? And she goes, oh, did I not tell you? The insurance guy came by the other day and was asking me about his death. They, they don't think it was a heart attack. And Bree's like, uh okay and then she realizes perhaps phyllis is withholding information on purpose phyllis is such a snake such a snake like she is the reason you know i think she's the reason why rex hated brie so much because he in the beginning probably call his mom and be like oh, i love my wife she'd be like oh she's horrible all those meals she cooks for you yeah she was probably jealous of brie Probably. He, oh, she's, she's replacing one me. of those moms. Yes. You can never love your wife as much as you love your mother. So yes. weird. So, so weird. Yeah. So then we get back to Wisteria Lane and we see Miss Chloe Pendergast, one of the other 300 people in the Wisteria Lane district, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> it's the Wisteria Lane subdivision. Oh, to be okay. precise. My mistake. And Miss <laughs> Chloe is having a tea party with her friend Marissa, who I noticed had a groovy girl. Do you ever have one of those? No, you I don't think a so. A groovy girl. My friend Sophie had a lot of groovy girls. I wonder if Sophie's a, a listener. A groovy girl. A groovy girl. Um, and then they're just like having a little fantasy tea party. And Mary Alice goes, you know who else was having a fantasy? Gabrielle Solis. And she's <laughs> thinking about John Rowland. It's not really him that she's seeing. She is just thinking about him in her head. Mm -hmm. And her mental image of John that she's projected is actually the the new gardener who is uh not conventionally attractive yeah not young enough for her um, <laughs> and so how does she solve this problem i don't know how does she she gets in her car and she goes to watch john moe's lawn oh she sure does i know oh i did write that down um <laughs> in a blue car currently and then we get back to the lawn the lane again and susan is pacing around looking crazy and Mike's just watching her because that's all he knows how to do. And she's like, ah, Julie should be back by now. She's staring at Edie's house. She goes, Julie's supposed to be returned to me at six o'clock at 6.15. I'm going over there. And Mike's like, you need to like relax. And she goes, I am being relaxed. I could call the cops on him. This is our agreement. Like, Chill out. Yeah, Susan basically thinks Edie lives in a den of sin. And so 
when they approach Edie's house, it turns out she's just playing guitar and Julie is singing this little light of mine. Literally just a wholesome family moment. And <laughs> Susan becomes the green eyed monster. And then right after that, we see Tom being a present dad when Lynette comes home. Um, my note says, is Parker the favorite kid? Because I feel like I feel like he is the focal point of a lot of the storylines now. Um, maybe they're trying to make up for when they pretended he was sick. That and dealing with minors is really difficult, so it's easier just to have one on set. Oh, <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Going as behind the curtain as I can not being on this show. <laughs> <laughs> So they're explaining to Parker that Tom is going to have to take him to his first day of school. Parker's pissed, by the way. He is not having it. Yeah, and it's like, so he's like, Mommy, I want you to be here with me. And it's like, mm, okay, would they have done this if Tom was going off to work? And he was like, Daddy, Daddy, can you come? No, they would have been like, oh, he has to go to work. They wouldn't have jumped through all these hoops. Double standard. Double standard. And then at some point, Tom um, goes, don't bring around a cloud to rain on my parade. When did he sing that? He goes, I don't want to rain on your parade here. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I was picturing him launching into song and dance. He basically Top hat did. and tails. <laughs> he basically did to me. So because Parker is so pissed off by this information, he kind of pl plays Lynette like a fiddle. And Lynette is like, listen, my boss is really, really mean, but I will do what I can to be there on your first day. Manipulative little freak. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway. Hmm. Then Bree immediately goes to the police department upon hearing this information. that There's an investigation. And she's like, I loved my husband. I would not kill him. Oh, I can't believe I'm a suspect. And the guy's like, hmm, oh, well, there's nothing really I can say to you, blah, blah, blah. And then she goes, my husband had a heart attack. I loved him very deeply. And your mother did a lousy job. Bolts out. <laughs> she went off on him as she should. My note just says Marsha Cross eating. I've gone my whole life on Twitter without knowing about who's going to the Super Bowl. Why am I seeing updates from a Taylor Swift update account? I feel like I understand the man at the NFL, the NFL Brad's, Chad's, and dad's who are upset at her being there. Like, I am too because I don't want to know about what's going on in the NFL. I shouldn't have to know that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. I don't want to know that. And now my brain is tainted. I'm upset. It's You're like leaked into my culture. Anyway, I just had to say that. <laughs> Let's continue on. So with that, we see Phyllis getting up the next day to make herself some coffee. She's yawning. She's like half awake. And in that time that she's making her morning drink, Brie packs up all of her stuff and puts it by the door and kicks her out. And I just wrote, bye, bish. It is so funny. She's like, all right, we are fully done with you. And thank God, because I've really had enough of Phyllis. Like, she, I've had my fill of Phyllis. <laughs> I've had my Phyllis merch. I've had my Phyllis. I don't think people care enough about this woman. <laughs> Desperate Housewives superfans, please weigh in on our Instagram. How do you feel about Phyllis Mama Rex Vandekamp? Wait, Vandekamp? Yeah. Yeah, she's Mama Vandekamp. Do you want I've had my Phyllis <laughs> shirts <laughs> and hats? Oh my God, go away. And she leaves the same way she came, by crying out the cab. <laughs> it all comes full circle. And then Gabby, the only place we really see her these days is at the prison <laughs> where to see Carlos. And she goes to visit him and she gives him a card and he's like, what's this for? And she goes, um, it's our anniversary. And he goes... This whole marriage is a sham. And it's like, he needs to let He's go of so the whole dramatic. affair thing. He messed with her medicine. You yeah, guys you know what? are they even. They are even, yes. They're even. And um, she's like, you literally have to get over it. She's like, John Roland loved me. And he's like, Ugh, yeah, okay. 
And then she just goes into graphic detail about all the ways that um, he loved her. And Carlos is getting very upset. And then we sort of smash cut to Gabby pulling into her driveway in a brand new shiny car. Matthew is there and he comments on how cool it is. She makes the act of buying a car seem so easy. Like, it's not (laughs) simple to get a car. Like, there's a whole process involved. Like, getting a car is annoying. Really? Yes. Like, you have to go to the dealership. I would not know. It's not fun. You have to get your credit checked. You have to do a million different things. You don't just – it's not like popping into CVS. And she's just trading in her car like it's nothing. It's really crazy to see, especially – like. Gabby, you're only living on $1.6 million right now. I see why she has nothing <laughs> saved. Like, these cars are like $500,000. Because oh, remember, what? she only has – these are like she, these are nice cars. These are like $500,000 cars. Like, that's – you shouldn't be buying this right now. How could any but car be But with the trade-in value. Oh, there are a lot of expensive cars. Maserati. I hate – I don't like these those cars. I think that – they're kind of tacky i just don't understand what all the fuss is about i don't either like a car is a car to me but she loves her she loves her little whatever it was called it had a specific name i don't know cars anyway um matthew loved it should be your next victim (laughs) i love matthew listen he is the most unproblematic one uh yeah we'll get there Right right now. now, right now. I wouldn't say that. In the last episode, he went down to his prisoner and went, Hey, shut <laughs> up! <laughs> Stop yeah, but- it! <laughs> He's doing all of those things against his will. He was giving prison, like, Stanford prison experiment to me. I don't know what that means. You don't know the Stanford prison experiment? It's, it was this thing in Stanford where they had students um, simulate being a prisoner. It's like a whole social experiment. Some of them were prisoners. Some of them were um, prison guards. And like what ended up happening was the the students who were like the prison guards started like abusing the prisoners because like it just like got into their head with like the power dynamics and everything. They were like, act like you're really That's in prison. horrifying. Yeah, you should look it up. It's wild. I think there's like, I think I saw a documentary on it or something like a long time but ago. But I don't like that at all. Well, that's what happens. It's like the Hunger Games. All animals at the end of the day. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Mm-hmm. So. That's Animal Farm. I don't know that movie. Oh God! <laughs> it's a book. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Oh, I was okay. thinking of Animal House. Oh, I don't know that one. Okay. Is that also George Orwell? I don't know. I just know it exists, but I haven't seen it. I think it's like a fraternity house movie. Desperate Housewives super fans, can you weigh in on how stupid are we? <laughs> Okay, so then Julie wants to do the family follies with Edie. The family follies is what, by the way? It is the church, um, church follies. I don't know. It's like a church talent show. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I used to do the cabin fever follies back in my small town era. Wait, that's a thing? Yeah, I can't believe we've never discussed this. It's a new lore. My mom used to dance as a belly dancing chicken for it every year. What? Yeah, you've never seen my mom be a belly the belly dancing chicken? Like, she was infamous in town for being the belly dancing chicken. And, like, it became a thing. Like, she would just randomly show up to my school as the belly dancing chicken. So, yeah, Susan's just very unhappy that Julie is planning to do the talent show with Edie. And... Julie's just giving like a little more background on Edie and she mentions that Edie's brother OD'd, which is a really interesting piece of information, but it never comes up again the rest of the episode. Never comes back into play. Yeah, I wonder (laughs) if that was like a dropped storyline or something. 
I think Susan also says, like, oh, we all know your talents, Edie. You need to get curtains on your bedroom window. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Susan has kind of been picking fights with Edie. Yeah. And she needs to, like, it's she's clearly just very jealous because her daughter likes to spend time with her, but that's not the problem. Edie was kind of giving, like, if I was a stepmom, I feel like that's how I would be. Yeah, I agree. I'd be like, I don't care about any of this, but here we are. <laughs> so it's interesting you talked about the cabin fever follies because mm -hmm. in the next scene, Matthew kind of talks about having cabin fever himself. He's like, oh, oh. I want to get out of the house. Oh, my God, a call back. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were like looking at your email and you're like, oh, I got a call. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> No, no, no. I was like, continue, Christy. continue. I'm just looking for the, uh, I'm looking for the, the chicken video. And this is where things go absolutely insane, as they're just trying to straighten up and have things be normal. And Matthew like wants to go take some time out of the house, and suddenly a man bursts out from the basement and attacks them. And uh, Betty Applewhite pistol whips him so quickly, just. <laughs> slams him to the ground then there's a knock on the door it's susan and she's like of course hey. it is she's like hey betty um i want to uh take piano lessons she goes oh, i i i don't teach i don't teach lessons and she touches her white shirt and gets blood on it and susan's like uh, oh uh you have oh i i'm i'm, I'm making a cherry pie and she goes okay and then Matthew's like, um, they're going to start getting really weirded out that we're acting like this and being so secluded. Like people are going to start noticing. And again, this just goes back to my point. If you're, you know, hiding somebody in the basement, my mom, I'm looking through her Facebook. She posts so many videos. That's what I've been scrolling through. <sighs> my God. This um, but it's like, again, you have a prisoner in your basement why are you <laughs> moving to suburbia? That doesn't make any sense. Move to the woods. Come Somewhere on. where you can be as secluded as you want and face yes. no judgment. And nobody would know if you had a man in your basement. Like, <laughs> crazy. <laughs> Like not the man nothing. in your basement Growing merch up coming. Where, where I was, where I was living, we could have had we could have had a prisoner in our basement. Literally, no one would have known because we were so secluded. Like you don't move to suburbia. But just for the record, you we did, didn't. guys. I'm just saying. Okay, we did it. We didn't have any prisoners. Like nobody could hear. Nobody could hear you scream. <laughs> and you keep inviting me to come up to Vermont. <laughs> I'm very <laughs> you are hell-bent on getting this video yeah I haven't thought about this in years I can't believe that had never come up it's crazy I know I know I feel like I just earned coins for like <laughs> learning more about <laughs> your, your life oh, I was playing Super Mario um the other Not day me. in that evil game the next time I come to California please please we need to play again but we need to play until 2 a.m for like the the right effect <laughs> So then we're back to Lynette being a working woman and she walks by Stu who has a bandage on his nose and they never bring that up. So I don't know, maybe the actor got in like a bar fight or something. They just literally <laughs> don't say anything about it. And he's playing with a new video conference setup. Um, and he's like, his coworkers like putting his mouth on it. And Lynette's like, ew, hate Stu. <laughs> And um, yeah, my note just says Stu is weird. Stu, the Stu storyline and the office, it gives me like, I, it reminds me of like a workplace sitcom from this era. Yes. Not yes. like, not like a, a, the office or something, but like something from that would be on the CW. I know what you mean. Yeah. Like the later season of Sabrina, the teenage witch, when she's working at the magazine place. <laughs> very specific but it's, that's the vibe it gives me like it feels like it's almost gonna be a spinoff 
like right, 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 like Stu's story or like or Stu's Stu's place. Stu being the main character is crazy. Yeah, like I see him being the main character in this like marketing office show. All right, I'll add it to the fan fiction. Being the receptionist and being stupid, you know, and like Nina's his mean boss. Like I see a whole. So Lynette goes to Nina and she's like, okay, hey, um, I know I said kids wouldn't get in the way, but, you know, mornings are kind of slow. I just want to see my kid off on the first day of kindergarten. And Nina has a freak out. She goes, "Uh, what? You think that everybody around here, we have other things to do too. We're childless like by choice. I want to get my hair cut. And like having a freak out. And it's like, (laughs) that's not how childless people act to people with children. I said this last week, but childless people are like, okay, like you do you. I don't. I think Nina wants to have kids. Like Nina. It, I think she's projecting and she wants children. But I don't know. Like I she was acting crazy. And also, again, I think it's so funny how working in an office is depicted in media because especially in a marketing job, literally nobody cares. Yeah. But is that It'd be like do whatever you want, you're an adult. But do you think that that's more of a recent development and that at the time this would have been accurate? No, I don't think so. I don't I don't think offices have ever been the way that they are on TV. It's so funny. Yeah. And you know what? It's because TV writers probably have never worked in an office. That's, that's like correct. 30 Rock is so accurate. <laughs> I'm rewatching that and I can't believe how I've grown into more of Jenna Maroney. Oh, I can. (laughs) Like, I just watched the one when it's her birthday and she's like, thank you for this. Here's a gift to you. I believe the children are future. Treat them well and let them lead the way. Like... Marvin Tracy's like, hey, Jenna, I heard you sing. Oh, you don't want to hear me sing. And then I don't remember what song she goes into, but she just goes, I believe that children are the future. (laughs) I'm like, wow. I remember one specific quote from, I think it was season seven. And I think Liz like goes into Jenna's dressing room and she goes, hey, I I just wanted to tell you, I really didn't mean to steal your thunder before. And she goes, my whole life is thunder. (laughs) (laughs) Which is such a you thing to say. I just remember we had been friends for like a week and you were like, have you ever seen 30 Rock? And I said, no. And you go, you're Jenna Maroney. (laughs) And I wasn't even the person that I am now. Like, that's crazy. Well, because she was your foundation. And now you've just built and, and grown into it so it's and then a good we thing. ripped off 30 rock real bad you know what we Looking seriously back, we really did <sighs> yeah i know <laughs> desperate housewife super fans if you want to see the web series christy and i created when we were kids young kids that completely ripped off jenna maroney and liz lemon <laughs> subscribe to the patreon expeditiously <laughs> It's really bad, guys. But I think the it's very clear that Tina Fey was our writing inspiration. Yes, and it's also very clear that it was a little politically incorrect at the time. And it you'll was twenty fifteen. It's okay. It's fine. Things were different. People back then. have gotten put out to pasture for less. <laughs> That's true. But Thirty Rock is not politically correct at all. That's why it's funny. No, neither is this show. So it's fine. Nina's being a biatch. Nina. Why do you keep doing that? You don't know the Nina meme? No. I just think you have Tourette's. You just, <laughs> just keep going. I'm like, blah, blah, blah. you go, Nina. No, Nina. And I was trying to ignore it, but now I... I can't believe you don't know the Nina meme. No, I am off the internet. I- I'll send it to you. It's been around a while, but I- I'll send it as soon as we get off. <laughs> the call. Okay. And Lynette sort of gets her when she's leaving the office because she's like, I can see why you need to go get a haircut. I, I would hate it if my hair looked like that. <laughs> I'm like, that's on period because like you 
Nina hates her for no reason. Like, just because she chose to have kids, you don't have to put her out to pasture. She's not being annoying about it. She's just like, hey, I want to go see my kid at kindergarten. But she doesn't come in every day like, hey, look at this. Look at all these pictures of my kids I brought in. She does her job right. perfectly fine. She wants an escape. So let her be a present mother. I also recall Nina being a more um, important character as the season goes on and actually having her grow on me, but I don't remember at what point that occurs. Yeah. I, again, like she, Nina and Stu feel like they're in a different universe to me. That's <laughs> not Desperate Housewives. Yeah. Like they do not exist alongside Gabrielle Solis. Definitely not. Speaking of which, oh, um, but also um, before we get to Gabri Gabrielle, um, Lynette sees Stu and has the bright idea of getting Parker a webcam, literally invented FaceTime. Okay, that's exactly why I wrote is for the next scene, basically they are using FaceTime. Yeah, so because, Lynette but is also like setting at, it up. At this time, how did they have a portable webcam like that? <laughs> I don't think that actually would have really worked very well. Lynette Scavo invented FaceTime, confirmed. She, she did just how Brie Vandekamp invented impossible burgers. Lynette right. invented FaceTime and who ripped her off? Steve Jobs. Rest in peace. I'm gonna start saying I'm gonna start saying that. Like I'm gonna start talking about impossible burgers and I'm gonna be like, I love impossible burgers because it's like female founded. Have you ever heard Brie Vandekamp? <laughs> <laughs> like she's this she's an amazing chef and scientist. I'm gonna start doing it. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, then we get to Gabby, and Gabby's watching John again. If revolves are revolves re are <laughs> reversed, if roles were reversed, every week that happens to me. This is really creepy. Like a thirty-year-old stalking a nineteen-year-old, watching their every move. But it's okay because they're gorgeous, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> and young looking. Um, so Gabby's just watching John mow somebody else's lawn and then she sees him kiss the or the housewife comes out and like does something and then they start kissing and goes inside and she's like oh my god so she gets out of her expensive new car and sneaks around the windows and see them sees them hooking up and then she freaks out and chops up her yard and she uses the chainsaw that's there that john was using i don't know if you noticed this but the effect like the CGI or whatever mm -hmm. it was on the chainsaw looked absurd. <laughs> really? I didn't notice. Yeah, it, it looked funny. like a cartoon, but it, it was just funny because it, it sort of dated it. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, Eva Longoria was probably like, I'm not holding a chainsaw. No, I don't blame her. Good for if, her. If Halloween Horror Nights was any indication. She said, I'm calling my union. I'm not holding that chainsaw. <laughs> so then we get to Mike and... He brings flowers to Felicia, who shows up with a neck brace. And she reveals she's heading back to Utah for a little while. God. Yeah, she's been in the hospital ever since Zach attacked her with the hockey stick. Um, I guess he must have really gotten her good if she had to be in the hospital for multiple days from for a weeks. hockey stick injury. Yeah. For weeks? For It's been weeks. Yeah, she said she's been out of the hospital. She, she said oh. she was there for a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, and well, Zach's stronger than he thinks, I guess. Um, and Mike is like, have you heard anything about Zach? And she goes, I see you came with an ulterior motive. No. <laughs> and she, he's like, well, do you know where like he'd go? Like, I'm just looking for him. And then Felicia goes, hmm, since he beat me and since he beat me and threw me down the stairs, we don't keep in touch. And he does tell Felicia that he let Paul go. He didn't kill him. And Felicia just creepily laughs. And she's like, well, that was a mistake. Oh, my God. He's not. She's like, he's going to come back here and look for Zach. So what? He's not going to come back and murder anybody else. Like, leave, I get... just leave Paul alone. He's not even in leave this episode. Leave Paul, al and leave they Paul alone. They cannot keep his name off their tongues. It's crazy. <laughs> keep my Paul's name <laughs> out your, your mouth. mouth. <laughs> no, 
<gasps> it's like every time. No, that's what? merch. That's merch. Keep, keep my like, Paul's name. Be, no, it should be keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. <laughs> and it should be a picture of Paul. That's really funny. That's hilarious. We okay, can do that. We can do that. that. Yeah. Every time someone is talking to Felicia about Paul, I get very anxious because I start thinking about the antifreeze storyline, which I know, I know there's time, but like, it makes me so anxious. I honestly, as much as I love Paul, I love that storyline. I think it's so funny. So next we see Brie sitting with Andrew and Danielle at the dinner table, and she's talking about what happened with Rex and the investigation. And she's like, yeah, well, they think I'm a suspect. And you can immediately tell that the kids are skeptical. They're not a thousand percent convinced that she didn't kill Rex. Which it's Uh, like, what more can she do? Danielle goes, well, you last time daddy had a heart attack, you were making the bed. And Brie was like, I was in shock. Like, it's fine. But then Andrew says something interesting. He goes, you're not capable of murder. And she goes, thank you, Andrew. And he goes, that wasn't a compliment. And guess who is a murderer? Andrew. <laughs> you know what? That, and it's it's almost the pot calling the kettle black, but it's not, if you know what I mean. He said, you're not strong enough for murder, but I am. Like, socio. Oh, oh, sorry, you're built different. <laughs> I can murder, you can't. That's like, something to brag about. You're lucky she didn't turn you in, Andrew. Andrew also looks a lot younger here than b- before. I don't know why. He you just think so? Looked, yeah, he looked very young to me in this episode. I still don't get how there has not been an investigation into who ran over Mama Solis. Why is Carlos letting that go? That is true. Wouldn't why it be that amazing? investigation stop? But they're investigating somebody who died of a heart attack just because they wrote, he be wrote amazing? a very elusive note. You know right. what? This was – sorry, before you get to your thing, this was, Rex knew what he was doing when he wrote that note. We were supposed to – we were supposed to feel bad for him. And right now I'm kind of anti-Rex again because why would you put that in writing? I think he did that on purpose. It was his last attempt to subvert Brie. <laughs> yes. Like, wow. he died antagonizing Brie. Wow. That's the way he wanted it. Yeah, it is. He's happy this is all happening. <laughs> so my thing is, wouldn't it be something if Andrew Vandekamp was found guilty of a hit and run that killed a woman... And ended up in the same prison as Carlos Solis. <laughs> I would be afraid for Andrew's life. Because yeah. yeah. guess what? He's a gay as well. Right. Actually, right. that he might protect get... him. That might protect him. Like if from Carlos. Carlos. <laughs> yeah, from Carlos. Like but if Carlos, Carlos could charging... send one of his other friends after him. Yeah, but who knows what they'll do to him. If Carlos committed a third hate crime, like that's not that's not funny anymore. That's serious. I imagine this is how I imagine, like Andrew being in prison, convicted for Mama Solis's murder with Carlos. Carlos sees him, goes like charging up like a bull, runs to him, (laughs) and Andrew just puts his hands up and goes, "I'm gay, I'm gay, I'm gay," (laughs) and then Carlos has to stop and just retreats. I, I think Carlos would run up. Away. I think there would be a force field that came up as soon as Andrew said, I'm gay. And yeah. then Carlos like bounces back from the gay force field. <laughs> like I can fully see. I wish this had been a scene. If I, if I was writing on this show, I would have been like, guys, this has to happen. Like that. Those are the magic words. I'm gay. I'm gay. I'm gay. And then you would have backed <laughs> off. Like, you can't, you can't beat up a third gay person. No, no. Like at Tune that is point, pushing it. at that point, you're homophobic, even if you don't yeah. think you are. So. And speaking of homophobia, in the next scene, Betty gives Susan the piano lesson. And as somebody who was in piano for years, it's so funny 
when Betty is like, you can lay off the pedal. And Susan says, oh, I think it sounds more professional that way. And Betty's like, it doesn't. Like, I was a, I was a pedal girl. I was I leaning on that pedal all the time. Me too. But now that um, my knowledge of playing piano is just chords, I use the pedal all the time. <laughs> um, That's so funny. So, yeah. So while she's getting the lessons, Matthew is allegedly downstairs playing loud hip hop music, but really he's drilling in their little prisoner inside, which is a crazy fire hazard, but I guess they don't care if he burns to death, seeing as how they treat this man. They don't. They do not care at all. Um, so then Susan goes to Edie's again and she's like, I want to be a trio. We should all do this together. And that's when Susan says, we've all seen your talent. Um, Edie doesn't do trios. No, and she shouldn't have to. And Joey then, doesn't share food and Edie doesn't do trios. Period. And then Susan gets very manipulative and she's like, well, I can play piano now. So now Julie can pick and see. And Julie goes, I guess my mom. But Julie's weak because I would have been like, no, I'm doing this with Edie. It's so unfair to put Julie on the spot like that. Yeah. But again, Susan doesn't care. No. Like she's just making it difficult. And it's like, just because you're, your kid is old enough, she's not going to love Edie more just because she wants to do a talent show with her. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Right. Totally. <sighs> she just makes it a huge drama. And then Edie's like, but Edie kind of sees right through it. She knows that Judy, Julie, like, had to pick her mom. So she's like, okay, whatever. This next scene annoys me. Because John Rowland annoys me. And he goes over to Gabby and he's super accusatory. And he's like, you did that to Joan's garden. You messed up her lawn. And they start fighting. And poor Gabby just feels stupid because John expresses that he has fallen in love with this woman, Joan, that he's now working for. Um, does anybody remember Andrew Hosier Burns? I fall in love just a little, a little bit. Like that is John Rowland's song, which but will now be on the- specifically with married house, older housewives. Right. And that will now be added to the playlist We're Going to Sing, which will be linked in the episode description. Yeah, come sing with us. I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> I fall in love just a little, a little bit every day with someone new. Yeah, yeah. Stupid with <laughs> love. Um, but... And speaking of stupidity, John says something like, well, I, I really don't want it to end this way. And Gabby just says, given how stupid both of us have been, this is an entirely appropriate ending. Yeah. Gabby fully gets the ick because when he's like, oh, I love Joan, I love Joan. She's like, oh, he's just like this with every woman like yeah he is early signs of a fuck boy he's just a teen but he's gonna grow into <laughs> into a man who will not just a man. it's just what <laughs> you do <laughs> i see john's future and it's not pretty it um, wouldn't be we're going to tell podcast if we didn't <laughs> sing I were a boy. But she are just a man. Norman frickin' Rockwell. Fuck <laughs> me up. Fuck me up. Fuck me up. Um, I also yeah. feel like every for a while now, every time we've seen Gabby and John together, they're ending their relationship. Yeah, that's every real. time they're like this is the ending now. And it's like, you all, you already ended it before. Like it's no, but for over. real this time. Yeah. But Gabby, she get yeah. Gabby just gets the ick really bad. She's like, all right, now we're really done here. So next we see Brie, Danielle and Andrew going to the detective to sort things out. And Brie is adamant that she is going to take a lie detector test. And she's doing just fine on this lie detector test until the question comes up, are you in love with Mr. Williams, who is George? And it comes up as a lie. And I was really confused by that. I think what, and she is too. She's like, oh my God, I guess I'm in love with George. 
But I think it's more so because the whole thing with the polygraph, it just um, measures your heart rate. So yeah. allegedly, if you're lying, like your heart, your pulse is just going to go up. So that's how they do it. So her pulse is probably just going up just thinking about him just because she probably doesn't want to talk about him in front of her kids. So that's right. probably the reason rather than her actually being in love. Like anytime anybody asks me a direct question about anything, I would fail a polygraph test. Oh, me too. Because they'd be like, like somebody will just go, hey, like how's life? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Why are you asking me? It's like for no reason. Nothing shady's going on. It's just like, don't ask me that. So I feel like that's more what happened. But now because of the polygraph that Bree is taking his Bible, she now thinks that she's in love with George. Right. And I know for me at least – just being hooked up to the polygraph would make me just anxious. Oh my God. Yeah. You would be really bad at that. Yeah. Do you have a cat named Blanche? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We'd both be bad at that for different reasons. Yeah. <laughs> so then Susan is leaving Betty Applewhite's. And I think it's Betty Applewhite's she's leaving, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Carl zoom zooms up in his little convertible gets out of the car and starts screaming about Edie he's like how could you do this to her they've been practicing for weeks like he loves that woman yeah he really does Carl and Edie forever mm, yeah I loved them together my number one couple Carl and Edie I think they're so good together okay my like, number that two are, couple. that are happening right now no or all for the, the whole time. show okay whole show uh, Brie and Orson Hodge, mm -hmm. Susan and Mike, obviously. Yeah. Me and Mike. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then <laughs> Danielle and Matthew. <laughs> oh, we'll get there. I forgot about Danielle and Matthew. I think my top couples on the whole show, Brie and Carl, and I'm sad that had a bad ending. Um... <laughs> Mike and Susan, obviously. There was also Edie and Carlos for a minute, if we recall. When? I think like next season. And oh, then I don't remember that. And then Gabby and the mayor. Oh, it gets so crazy. I hate it. I love John Slattery. I do not like that character. Well, I don't think you were meant to like him. That's when you're meant to love Carlos. Oh. Yeah. Oh. But don't want to get too out of ourselves here. Then we get to Lynette back at her office, and she is, in effect, FaceTiming Parker and Tom. I said Lynette invented him. FaceTime. That's my note for yeah, this. That's funny. Yeah. That's exactly it. Mm -hmm. They're sending him off to Barcliff, and Nina gets Lynette, and she's like, come on, you got to get in the meeting right now. And she has to rush in there. You know, not for nothing, but like Parker is so needy. I know. It's like she's the only wor working person in the household. Like she needs to be at her job. But it is so funny that this would be such an easy thing now to do. Yeah. Like could have literally just taken a video and be like, oh, this is for mommy. This is for mommy. Or like she could have FaceTimed really quickly while like sitting in the meeting while everybody's – or she could have like been like, I'm going to step out for a second. I don't know. Right. And once again, it's the technology that dates this show. Only the technology. Everything else, I'm like, this could be today. But and, a be and a couple of the lines. Yeah. A couple of the words. So Lynette's just going back and forth from the staff meeting to trying to be there for her kid. And then <laughs> Nina's like, no, you are sitting down. You're not leaving this meeting. So um, – Lynette sees hot coffee next to Nina and because earlier she had screamed at Stu for it not being warm enough. So Lynette starts, oh my God, I started, almost choked myself. Lynette starts banging on the table to get the coffee to move. And then she like lifts it up and it scalds Nina's legs all just so she, like you'll see your kid at home. What's the big deal? Yeah, she really went too far with that. I also wrote that she was stressing me out when she was trying to get the coffee to spill on Nina because, like, that's hot coffee, number one. Number two, it's giving McDonald's. I was just wondering, how did nobody else notice that what she's doing? Like, she's literally going, huh, Yeah. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then finally, like, she goes back to her office and she sees Parker off and she just sees Nina 
with like two ice packs on her bare legs. That's all on you, Lynette. Like she did go too far. Yeah, she did. Speaking of people who go too far, we cut to the <sighs> pharmacy and we see George with Bree. And for some reason, Bree goes, I took a polygraph test and it asked me if I was in love with you. And he goes, what did you say? And she goes, I said no, but it said I was lying. And this is so, like, it literally seems like she's coming on to him. And I don't think she's yeah. trying to, but everything she does, it always seems like she is. So Dim I'll give George Brie. that much. Dim-witted Brie. And she is also stupid with love. <laughs> um, and she, he was like, well... A polygraph can lie sometimes. And she goes, I don't think that's it. I think I just didn't realize I was in love with you. And she goes, they think you had a hand in poisoning a Rex. And he goes, ha, 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 ha. That's crazy. He goes, I'll take the polygraph too. At this point, it is so obvious. So, so I really obvious. don't get what is not clicking. I know. So then we find ourselves at the church talent show, Julie and Susan are about to do their act. And before they begin, Susan sits down at the piano and then she rushes over to one of the pews where Edie and Carl are sitting and she apologizes to Edie. And she's like, listen, it really should be you up there. Not me. Like I've thought about it. I, I know I was in the wrong basically. And as Susan is popping on back to the, the stage, I suppose, Edie says, how convenient you decided this after I showed up without my guitar. The one thing that really I noticed with the scene was Terry Hatcher's lipstick looked really terrible. It looked so bad. I, I was did like, not. Oh, yes. Yes. So I know what you're saying. Yep. It I was like, like where were touch-ups? Where were the... What, uh, there's supposed to be a makeup artist between every shot. Where were they? What were they doing? It looked so bad. That's all I could think about. And then when- No, we, you're right. I did was, notice that. Like, it was just like mushy. It just didn't look like it was blended. It wasn't the right, right color for her. Like, it just did not look good. Right. Terry Hatcher, if you were a listener, who was your makeup artist at the time? And what what was going on? This is obviously And also, would you like fault. to be on the podcast? <laughs> would you like to be on the podcast and talk about it? That's nothing against you. She still looked amazing. She's a gorgeous, gorgeous woman. But the lipstick was just not, not giving at all. So that's all that really bothered me. But then Edie's like, I know how to play piano. So then we cut to Susan sitting next to Carl. Her lipstick looks better. And Edie's up there <laughs> playing. And she, in fact, cannot really play piano that well. She clearly knows how to read music. But can't really sight read. She's struggling, yeah. She's struggling yeah. a lot, and Susan's loving it. Then we're back at the jail, and Christy, why don't you tell us what happens when Gabby sits down with Carlos? I think this is the first time we see Gabby be very honest and empathetic with Carlos or with anybody, and she just goes back and she starts crying and really gives like a genuine apology for having an affair. She, cause I think she now realizes that it kind of meant nothing. So she's like, I am really sorry. That was so stupid. And Carlos is like, wow, this is the first time you've been honest and he really appreciates it. And now they kind of just put that in the past. Thank goodness. It was getting old. I know. And he's like, he goes, this is the, best anniversary present you could give me and she goes i really liked the car you got me and he's like huh and then that's the end <laughs> our ending monologue is about playing make-believe and we see the apple whites with their revolver um we see lynette doing something as well i didn't write it down so i don't really remember <laughs> lynette and doing then something <laughs> <laughs> she always is and then the very last scene is george taking the polygraph and they ask if he asked brie to kill rex or to help him kill rex and he says no and it's true and finally did you kill rex Vandekamp? and he says no and it comes up as true and it freaks me out and then mary alice says to like something about like believing a lie and first you have to believe it yourself and all that Mm -hmm. And that freaked me out a little bit. And then we black out. 
What a ride. I thought this was a pretty good episode. It is. It's picking up a lot for sure. Um, George is just a freak, freak, freak. I really thought we wrapped up George in season one. I don't know why. I know. I know I did too. But he just keeps coming back. Oh, anyway, you guys, you know the drill. Follow us on TikTok and Instagram at We Are Going to Tell. Subscribe to the Patreon. Buy our merch. Last week, Amelia, my roommate, if you don't know, she said she like opened her door when we were signing off and she's like I love having an influencer roommate because she just hears buy our merch subscribe to the Patreon <laughs> no the merch is really good you guys it'll be linked in the description of this episode and, and more is coming and Jesse Metcalf if you want that t-shirt we'll send you one <laughs> we know you're a listener <laughs> we know you listen all right this has been we know what you did it makes us sick we're going to tell. Y'all come back now, you hear? <laughs>